This Money Wise podcast is underwritten in part by Christian Healthcare Ministries, a budget-friendly, biblical, and compassionate healthcare cost solution for Christians in all 50 states and around the world. You can learn more at chministries.org. Christian actress Candice Bure once said, The memories we make with our family are everything. Hi, I'm Rob West. Family memories take on a special meaning at this time of year when we gather for the holidays. One of the best memories you can make involves giving. I'll talk about that today with Becky Cullum. Then it's on to your calls at 800-525-7000. That's 800-525-7000. This is Money Wise, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Well, some of you in the Lone Star State may know Becky Cullum. She's executive vice president of the National Christian Foundation in North Texas. And Becky has a passion for helping individuals and families create giving strategies so they can be more generous. And Becky, it's great to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Rob. It's an honor to speak with you. Becky, I love this topic, and I'm so excited about talking about family generosity today. Uh, How did this become so important to you in particular and your loved ones? You know, my husband and I were both raised in Christian homes, and so tithing and generosity were a part of our upbringing. So, of course, as we started to raise our own family and kids, we wanted them to know and love Jesus and like many of your listeners, we, we want to be good stewards of all of our resources and our children. But I've got to be honest, uh, we didn't have a great plan when we got started. And the topic of money and generosity really came out of our kids' questions and topics that they wanted to discuss. And, and it came out of need, really, that we dove mm-hmm. into this. I love that. Well, I'm excited to be able to share some practical ideas today on how folks can do that. But uh, first, let's go to Scripture. Uh, As you think about the passages in God's Word that speak to this idea of family generosity, what Scripture inspires you to take on this challenge? You know, there are so many great passages throughout the Bible, instruction in Proverbs, great ways to train up your children. But when I think about what really inspires us, We've got to go to straight to the gospel. You know, if we look at John 3, 16, it's that God so loved the world that he gave, he gave us a son so that we can have eternal life. You know, I look at Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, that it's a free gift of God, not by works. And so when I think about this, it's really once I get in touch with my own sin and God's generosity and grace, that's what compels us. That's what inspires this generosity. I love that. All right, well, let's get practical then. So tell us what you're doing about this in the Cullum household. Well, I've always heard that about 80 to 90% of communication is nonverbal. So fortunately or unfortunately, I think our children learn more from what we're modeling than what we're saying. So Christian and I, uh, we really had to get serious about our own uh, thoughts on this topic and So we're a work in progress. We're looking at different books, resources, talking to older, wiser parents. One thing that we've been reading recently is a book called The Opposite of Spoiled, Raising Mm. Kids Who Are Grounded, Generous, and Smart About Money. And that has had just a great number of tips and topics on everything from allowance to generosity to chores 
uh, to how to talk to your kids. And when things come up, questions, friends, driving yeah. past the homeless person, all of those things. Absolutely. What about this time of year in particular, Becky, as we head toward Christmas just a few days from now? Uh, what have you all found to work at this time of year? Certainly there are loads of practical options out there, whether it's buying gifts uh, for a child from an angel tree or serving at a soup kitchen. But I think the things that are more impactful is when you really can get closer to that need. So we are going to go tomorrow and box up food uh, for families in need, but we're really trying to take it uh, to a more personal uh, level when you get to meet that family or engage mm. with that child. I think that's going to be more effective. Oh, I totally agree, because then they put a face with their generosity. It's not just a check that's being written or something put in an envelope. All that That's important to teach as well. We want to teach that they should be regular givers to the local church. But I love whenever we can attach the real need and the impact to the giving. And I think you're exactly right with what you're doing there. Well, we'll talk around the corner about how your kids are responding to this. We'll also continue to get really practical about ways to do this in terms of inspiring family generosity and what this has done in your marriage between you and your husband as you all have gone on this journey together. Folks, we're talking family generosity today with Becky Cullum of the National Christian Foundation. We'll be back with much more just around the corner. Stay with us. Do you ever feel stressed or anxious about money? If so, that's normal, but you don't have to accept that you can find peace of mind and financial security. Learn how with the 31-day devotional, Money Seeking God's Wisdom. You'll find powerful scripture and practical exercises for spiritual and financial growth. You can request your copy with a gift of any amount. Would you consider a monthly or one-time gift by December 31st? Just visit moneywise.org give. How should we as Christians think about investing? What if we could invest our money in a way that aligns with what we believe? At Eventide, we believe it is possible to love God and love our neighbor in the very practice of investing. We design investments for performance and a better world so you can invest for the future with a sense of wholeness and purpose. We call this investing that makes the world rejoice. More information is available at investeventide.com. Thanks for joining us today on MoneyWise. Joining me today, Becky Cullum, Executive Vice President of the National Christian Foundation in North Texas. Becky and I are talking about family generosity. How do you inspire your kids toward biblical generosity? What's the heart behind it, the scriptural basis, but also the practical examples of how you can foster an attitude of generosity? And Becky, I know this is something you and your husband, Christian, have been working on with intentionality in your home. And you shared some ideas before the break. Uh, any other practical ideas to inspire generosity in our kids? You bet. We talked about the ways that we can really get to the more practical, personal, uh, closer to the need rather than distance. And so I learned an idea from a Nancy Ortberg video. We are giving our kids cash, handing them the cold, hard cash, but then mm -hmm. saying, oh, this isn't for you. This is for you to give to someone else. 
And really, the only rule is that it has to be anonymous and it has to go to someone else. And so our hope in this is that they are looking outward all the time, looking for a need, whether that's in a friend or a stranger. It can be divided up between several people, one gift. Uh, They're going to be looking out for others and looking for a need rather than uh, constantly adding to their Christmas wish list. At least that's our hope. Yeah, I love that. Uh, What about intentional conversations around the dinner table? Becky, how have you fostered those toward this idea of generosity? You know, I look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, 6 and 7, that says, These commands that I give you today are to be on your heart. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at your home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. And so we've tried to just be a little bit more intentional about these conversations, that we don't just say the prayer and move on at dinner, but to say, okay, let's read a psalm of gratitude, or let's talk about a way that we saw Jesus today, or even sharing some of those needs that we're starting to see that might be fulfilled uh, with that gift. We want to talk about loving God and seeing God at work all the time. I think that's what that command in Deuteronomy is looking at. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Uh, How has this influenced you and your husband in your own giving and even brought you guys closer together as you've been thinking about how to impart this to your kids? You know, it's funny you say, how do we impart this to our kids? But some of it is, how are they imparting it to us? Um, (laughs) You know, sometimes the kids' questions or their own things are are what inspire us and challenge us. Uh, So, Practically, we've had to pray a lot more, um, and we've had to get a lot more serious about our own posture of generosity. As they're looking at us um, and asking some questions, we've had to have some good conversation to have great answers. And so we're really talking about a posture of generosity, uh, not, not just those checks that we're writing, year-end gifts, but a posture of, of our time, uh, the generosity of a smile, looking a worker in the eye and asking them how their day is going. It's a stressful time of year for many people. And so we're we're talking about that posture of generosity in all that we do with our time, talent, and our treasure. Mm, yeah, that's so good. Uh, what about the community around you, Becky? You know, we realize that uh, the messages that they're getting from their friends, but also the parents of their friends uh, can either help to reinforce this message or perhaps take them in another direction. Has that played a part in this? It sure has. We uh, were talking with several other parents about this idea of how do we raise our kids uh, to, to be grateful and to be generous in this somewhat entitled world that we live in. They're constantly receiving messages, commercials, more, better, want. And so we actually got together with uh, several families in our NCF community here, and we said, let's get together and have dinner and talk about this. And so oh, we watched a video, and then we had intentional questions and conversation around this very topic. And then we've continued to stay in that community as we find something, we'll shoot a text to the group or send an email to say, Here, here's what I'm doing here, or here's how we can encourage each other in this subject. 
Mm. Oh, that's powerful. I can imagine how that would be a real encouragement as you have others on the journey with you, sharing ideas and even providing some accountability. I know a big part of what uh, you all provide to givers there at the National Christian Foundation is not only a lot of wise planning and great tools like the Giving Fund, uh, but also giving strategy to help align the giving that folks do with their passions and what's on the heart of God. Uh, Talk about that piece of the ministry and even how you can impart your giving strategy to your kids once it's developed. You're absolutely right. I think that when I've looked at the scripture, God loves a cheerful giver, that's almost felt a little bit of a duty and a, dare I say, beat down to me. But I think what we're talking about in that is that when we're really on purpose, God created each of us with a unique purpose, and he put passions on our hearts. And so when we are able to come together and really listen to him, God, how did you create me? What have you put on my heart? What passions have you given me and our family? And when we can align around those, then when opportunities come that align with those passions that he gave to us uniquely, there's so much joy in giving. It's been a lot more fun to be able to say yes to things that we know this is right on for us. And so the whole strategy behind taking the time to go through and evaluate those purpose and passions that are unique to, to me personally and then to our whole family have made giving a lot more fun. I can imagine. And then it gives you the ability to talk about the why behind the giving as you then transfer this to your kids. Now, Becky, of course, our kids can give money and we want to encourage them to save a portion of what they receive so they can be giving it away. But they can also give their time and their talents. How has that been incorporated into your family generosity? Well, for our kids, they're seven and nine. So they're a they're getting started in this, but for them right now, it is giving their time with um, being a friend to others, uh, asking uh, someone for a play date that doesn't always get asked. Um, mm. We've we've talked about a generosity and a posture of generosity in those type of things as well. And then again, tomorrow we're going to go and box up some things together. And young children, uh, four-year-olds can help put put cans in a box. Uh, yes. th- there's no age limit uh, that, that really excludes them. And so I think we can start as young as possible with active ways that we can be involved. Um, I think even asking people's names. As we mm. encounter people at checkout stands or a server at a restaurant, uh, our kids are really interested in asking names. The other day, an Amazon delivery person came and, and brought something to the door, and they were so excited. And then my son ran out, and he said, wait, what's your name? Oh, wow. And he said, it's Ben. And he said, Ben, uh, would you like some candy? And and he offered <laughs> him some of his leftover Halloween candy, but really wanted to know, hey, what what's your favorite type? Let me see if I have your favorite kind here. Not just the uh, leftovers, not the ones I don't want. It, it really warmed my heart. I love that you're teaching them to be others-focused. Well, unfortunately, we're out of time. How can folks get more information and resources, Becky? You bet. There are great resources on our website, ncfgiving.com slash library. Books, videos, podcasts that'll give you great information. Also, ncfgiving.com slash strategy helps you walk through your giving strategy. Oh, that sounds great. Well, Merry Christmas to you, Becky, and thanks for stopping by. Thanks so much, Rob. It was great to be with you. 
This is Money Wise. For a bit longer anyway, we'll change our name in the new year. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. At MoneyWise, we are on a mission to educate, equip, and connect you and many others with the powerful financial answers found in God's Word through national radio programs, our app, website, and other resources. If you've benefited from MoneyWise and believe in this mission, would you consider becoming a monthly MoneyWise patron? Check out all the benefits of a MoneyWise patron's membership at MoneyWise.org and click Give on the homepage. For 30 years, Sound Mind Investing has been helping Christians reach their financial goals with step-by-step guidance for investors at every stage, from those just getting started to those getting ready for retirement. Through scriptural principles and practical suggestions, SMI offers financial wisdom for living well. More information, including a short video webinar on profit and peace of mind, no matter what's happening in the market, is available at soundmindinvesting.org. Welcome back. I'm Rob West, and this is MoneyWise, biblical wisdom for your financial journey. Our team is standing by with lines open. The number to call is 800-525-7000. That's right. You can get through right now, 800-525-7000. But first, uh, let me invite you to be a financial supporter of this ministry between now and the end of the year. In fact, as we press toward December 31st, meaning our financial goals are going to be critical to us finishing the year strong and planning for our ministry activities next year. MoneyWise Media, this broadcast, and all that we do through the app and the web and through our coaches, it's all as a result of your listener support. We're a not-for-profit ministry, and we would invite you to become a supporter of this ministry if you consider yourself a part of the MoneyWise family. It's easy to do online at moneywise.org. Just click the Give button. Again, that's moneywise.org. Just click Give. You'll find ways to give online safely and securely. You'll also find ways that you can uh, give through the mail or over the toll-free number that uh, is provided by connecting with one of our team members. Thanks in advance for anything you can do to support this work. And again, moneywise.org. Click the Give button is the easiest way to find all that you need. All right, we'll head to the phones today. The lines are filling up, so let's get started. Rolla, Missouri. Chase, thanks for calling. Go right ahead. Hi, Rob. Thank you so much for taking my call. Yes, sir. Um, so my wife is two months pregnant, and I'm really well. Thank you. I'm really nervous about paying for all of it. Um, <laughs> I have an HSA that has about two thousand dollars in it, but I'm wondering, yeah. you know, when we get those big hospital bills, uh, should I just drain the account to pay for it, or if I can pay it in a plan uh, and then be able to pay with my contributions as I go, what would be the best strategy there? Hmm. Yeah, I mean, anything that's covered, uh, you want to, uh, you know, try to make sure that the insurance is kicking in. Uh, you, of course, have a high deductible health care plan. Is that right? Yes. Okay. So you would naturally want to submit all of your expenses to your health plan and then use the HSA funds for only those things that are not covered by insurance. The good news is that anything that's not covered by insurance, uh, your HSA is eligible to be used for uh, many of the expenses involved with a pregnancy and all of the expenses related to the birth of a child. Uh, all of those would be eligible. So you'd submit the bills and then as, uh, you know, 
expenses are then incurred back to you, uh, then that would be the use for your HSA funds for whatever's there. Awesome. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right. Hey, congratulations, Chase, and all the best to you and your wife in this upcoming new season with the birth of your child. Thanks for your call today. 800-525-7000 to Tampa. Beverly, you're next on the program. Go right ahead. Yeah, so I, I am in a bind. I'm a little confused what to do. So my question is, um, I wanted to pay off some debt, so I wanted to know if I should get a home equity loan or I should just sell the house that I live in and get something smaller and use whatever you know left over to help me um, pay off my debts. But with okay. the housing market being the way it is and the high interest rate, I'm afraid. So I'm not yeah. sure what to do. Yeah. And I'll just say right at the outset here, this is Beverly, what we call a binary trap. And what that means is we put two options next to each other and we say, which one's better, this one or that one? And it may be a third. So let's look at the whole picture and see if we could find the best path forward for you. You mentioned your goal is to pay off some debt. Tell me about that debt. What do you have? Well, well, the debt is a marriage settlement that I have to pay off for 75000 So in order to um, to um, able to get out of the marriage was that they had put on the table the other side that they wanted 100000 Anyway, my lawyer was able to do whatever, try to fight as hard as he could. So he came down to seventy five. You know, include the closing wow. costs of that loan if, yeah, if it comes through. So I'd have to pay back that $75,000. Okay, so, so the, this was essentially, uh, the settlement was related to the equity in the home that became uh, uh, a benefit to your husband. Is that where the 75000 came from? It came from a marriage settlement. So I had, I had, um, the, I wanted to stay in the home because it's been, it was my retirement home that I had bought yeah. for, bought and I've been sitting there. So it was where it was my forever home. I see. And do you have a, a mortgage on the property currently? Yes, sir. Roughly 200000 Okay. And what do you think the home is worth? I'd say about, um, 350. About 350000 And, um, how many more years do you have on that $200,000 loan? Um, I would say I have another 10 years. Another 10 years. Okay. And so it's got a pretty attractive interest rate on it, probably? Yeah, 2%. 2%. Wow, yeah, that's phenomenal. Yeah, the challenge is I understand you wanted to keep it, and your uh, lawyer was able to negotiate a reduced amount. Basically, you're splitting the equity, it sounds like, in this home, um, and your portion of that is going to be $75,000 that you're sharing uh, with your husband or ex-husband so you can keep the home. The challenge is you don't have the financial resources to buy him out, which is the unfortunate part of this. Uh, tell me about your budget. Do you have much left over at the end of the month after the bills are paid? No, no. The budget that I, I'm on Social Security and I can't even pay my bills with that. I, I, I'm able to pay my mortgage through Social Security. I'm able to do that and pay, you know, just minor bills, you know, like my life insurance, you know, just stuff that really matters. But the important stuff, that, but like utilities and food, I'm struggling with that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so buying your husband out of this 75,000 is really not an option. 
Um, because, you know, if you were to take on a home equity loan, which I wouldn't recommend, uh, or a line of credit, you'd have a very high interest rate on a $75,000 note. It would be a, a very, well, you wouldn't qualify for it in the first place. And even if you did, you wouldn't be able to service the note. So I don't think that's an option. It sounds like really the only way to satisfy this obligation that you have through the divorce settlement is by a, a home sale. Um, I'm just based on what I'm hearing about your budget, the assets that you have, and the fact that you're already kind of upside down in your monthly spending plan tells me that, you know, option one is really not even possible in terms of getting a loan on that. So that means we got to sell it, unfortunately, because I realized the whole objective here was for you to be able to hang on to it. And then at that point, I think, you know, clearly if you were to pull out, let's say uh, 125000 out of this after expenses... Um, and you were to then take and, and pay off your husband out of that, you'd still have 50000 you could put in the bank. And the idea would be probably that you'd want to start renting and then maybe convert that to an income stream or try to dial your expenses back so you can balance the budget uh, at that point and then either just continue to rent or look to buy something else down the road. Uh, perhaps get a part-time job to try to build up some savings. But at this point, getting a loan uh, is not going to be an option. Stay on the line. We'll talk some more off the air. Uh, That's going to do it for this edition of the program. We have covered a lot of ground, it seems, and that's always the goal. My thanks to our amazing team today, including Deb Solomon, Amy Rios, Jim Henry, and Gabby T. I'm Rob West. I'll be back again next time and hope you will, too, for the next edition of Money Wise. Moneywise is provided by Moneywise Media and listeners like you.